title of the message today is The Story of the Widow's Might. That is what we are talking about. The story of the widow's might. I'm sure that you have heard of it in the Word of God. Please turn so long to Mark chapter 12, and we'll begin to read in a few moments' time. So, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in two of the Gospels, namely Mark and Luke, we find what I would refer to as an intriguing story. It is intriguing about a widow who gives an offering to God. And her offering was so remarkable that it captured the attention of Jesus. So much so that he called his disciples to take note of what she had done. And I feel that if this widow's offering was important enough for Jesus to gather his disciples for a quick lesson, then it's definitely important enough for you and I to study it and to give attention to it today. Amen? So let's pick up the passage of Scripture, Mark 12, verse 41 to 44, reading from the New King James Version. It says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Would you agree with me? This is an interesting story that we find in God's Word. Now, we're going to look at it again in a moment's time in another translation. But before we do, let me just say this uh, about the widow's might. You might be thinking, well, what exactly is a widow's mite? It was the least valuable Roman coin in the time, in that day. It was commonly referred to as a widow's mite. And the word mite specifically refers to a crumb. That's how small it is perceived. A crumb or a very small morsel is what this speaks about, what it signifies. Now, apparently, this uh, widow's mite that was given amounted to one sixty-fourth of a laborer's wages of a day. And so I checked out what that would mean kind of in South African context. It would probably mean about two rand to three rand. And so those people that are numbers people, accounting people, you don't have to work that out yourself. Trust me, I I can do a bit of maths, all right. So about two to three rand that she was giving while the rich were giving vast sums of money. Let's now look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. 
Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Verse 44 is very important. I love the way it's rendered in the NLT. It says, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Amen. So, let's try to understand the context and setting a little better. I believe if you look at the context, then it helps you to understand the actual, uh, the actual story better. In those days, giving towards the work of the Lord was very different from how it is today. Today, we uh, handle giving in a different way. We pass around our offering baskets or bags. They get passed along the row and some people, they enjoy making use of electronic banking, internet banking, other people make use of an app, etc. But in those days, there was an area in the temple called the Court of Women. In fact, there were three courts, and you can see it in a simple picture on your screen. This is the temple in Jesus' day, and just a simplified look of how the temple looked in Jesus' day. So there were, in fact, four courts. The one court was the court of the Gentiles. Now, the court of the Gentiles was where the non-Jewish people were allowed in the temple precinct. And then a little further in, you see that green section over there, uh, which says the court of women, and this is where the story takes place. There was also in the temple, the court of men, uh, otherwise known as the court of Israel. And then lastly, the court of priests. And this is where the priests would perform their duties. Now, in the court of women is where this took place. And in this court, there were 13 trumpet-shaped containers around the wall. And this is where people would come and give their offerings to the Lord. This is how they contributed to the work of the Lord. And these 13 containers were made of metal. So when the rich would have deposited their large silver coins, there would have no doubt been a large clanging as that took place. But when the widow deposited her two small copper coins, it probably went unnoticed, or did it? So just before this, Jesus had been teaching in the temple, and now after teaching, he takes a seat right close to an offering box or a, one of these offering containers, and he sits there as people are giving as they would normally do. And there it was that he noticed a certain widow who was giving an offering. And so my question today is, what can we learn from this story? Because it's in the Bible. God includes nothing just, you know, for no reason. 
He doesn't include something for no reason. And specifically, my question is, what did Jesus want us to understand? What did he want his disciples to understand as he called them closer? And I would submit to you that there are four things, major things that we can take out of the story and learn from it. Four points. Number one, God sees what man fails to see. Let that sink in for a moment. Please say that out loud with me. God sees what man fails to see. Now, it is likely in this situation that the big givers were being noticed by the disciples, by those that were standing around. You see, just by human nature, oftentimes our attention is drawn to the rich and to what the rich people are doing. We may be impressed by outward appearance. And I'm guessing that the disciples, they may have been remarking to one another about, wow, that rich person gave so much. And, and so probably they were quite impressed. Maybe you can see, you know, James, and, and he's busy saying to Thomas, did you see how much that rich guy gave? Yeah, he must be really rich. And, and probably this was going on. And the Lord Jesus sensed that their focus as the disciples was in the wrong, wrong place because they were seeing different things. But I want to tell you, Jesus saw what nobody else saw in that moment. And this is what should speak to us. He saw what nobody else did. He saw the humble offering of a poor widow. And it was this offering that deserved attention. It was this offering that the disciples needed to be made aware of. It was this offering that was worthy of capturing the attention. And so probably as the rich were giving their large amounts into these metal trumpet-shaped containers, probably it made quite a noise in the temple as they chucking in their bunch of silver coins, etc. It made a noise in the temple, but I want to tell you, that the widow's offering made a noise in heaven, and heaven heard that noise because there was something about it. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. This is what the disciples were doing. But the Lord looks at the heart. Now, one of the names of God in Hebrew is the name El Roy. The name El Roy means that he is the God who sees. And I just love that. What a wonderful description of God. He is the God that sees. Right now, today, folks, he is the God that sees you. He sees your life. He sees your situation. He is the God that sees. He sees when you pray in the secret place. He sees when you give without drawing attention to yourself. He sees when you bear in a load all on your own. He sees when you struggle as a single parent and he cares. He sees when you fast and no one knows about it. And of course, he sees when the widow gives her two small copper coins. 
And I just want to say to those of you that have faithfully given to God over many years and perhaps you've wondered, does God really see it? I want to say to you with certainty today, yes, He sees your giving. And yes, it matters. And yes, it is a sweet smelling fragrance unto Him. Know that your God sees what others have failed to see. Point number two. God's evaluation is different from ours. Please say that with me. God's evaluation is different from ours. I heard about a church in our city, and the finance team, the accounting team, was given certain instructions. And they were told by the leadership, listen, if any amount comes in that is 10,000 rand or more, it needs to be brought to the attention of the pastors. And then during the week, the pastor will then phone the big givers and thank them for their contribution. So it'll be, Mr. So-and-so, we'd like to thank you. We see you gave 11,000 rand into the offering. And this person, we'd like to thank you. And what do you think of that? It's not right, is it? It's not right. Because God's evaluation is different from ours. And by the way, in the case of this widow, she would not have received a call. <laughs> Yet it was her offering that caught Jesus' attention. Now, in man's estimation, the widow had only given a tiny amount. I mean, what could that tiny amount really do in the temple fund? What difference could it make? But... We're looking at God's estimation. In God's estimation, she had given more than anybody else had given on that day. Now, how is that possible? Because the rich people had given large sums of money. How is it possible that she could have given more than anybody else on that day? And the difference does come down to proportion. Would you say proportion? You see, the rich gave large amounts of money, but they still had their fortunes in their possession. Whereas on the other hand, the widow gave everything. She gave all she had to live on. And so it does come down to a matter of proportion. In other words, giving in relation to what you have is something that clearly comes out in this passage that we're looking at. Now let me say, I've at times in the past, I've read the story and almost felt a little bit guilty because I thought, well, it kind of seems to say, well, unless you empty out your bank account when you give, it's just simply not good enough. But you know what? I believe that this is not necessarily what God is saying. It's got more to do, listen to me, folks, with the heart of the giver than anything else. That's what it's about. It's the heart that is behind the giving that Father God is taking notice of. It's the heart that is behind the giving. And, but let me just say this, that it is not unthinkable that on occasion, God could impress upon your heart to give everything. Could be. And if the Lord clearly says that to you, then we need to obey and over the years, I've heard of some testimonies that people 
have given the last of their last that they had. And they just decided, this is not going to get me far in any case, but in God's hands, I'm just going to give it into the Lord's hands, and I'm going to trust God. And so God could still do that. And you know what? And the, the people that I've heard of in situations like that, God has come through for them. There's been breakthrough because God is a faithful God. Amen? Please say amen. He is a faithful God. Now, let's look at our text once again. Mark 12, verse 44, the first part in the New Living Translation, it says, for they gave, this is the rich, for they gave a tiny part, please say tiny part, of their surplus. I was thinking about this, and it was almost as though they were tipping God. They have this big surplus, and they give this tiny little part, like they they tip in God. In other words, they were giving very sparingly. They were giving probably just enough to look good in the eyes of the people, but it was not nearly enough in relation to what God knew that they had. And in other words, quite simply, these rich people were not giving properly. They were giving to impress people. They were giving not with a heart of love for God. Also, that same verse, verse 44, the second part in the NLT, it says, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. In other words, she gave abundantly. She gave unsparingly. And that reminds me of another scripture, which is in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, and it says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so this verse, I would submit to you, almost sums up this whole story that we're reading. So we can sow like sparingly or we can sow bountifully to the work of the Lord. But you know what? I believe God loves it when our heart is in our giving. Don't you think so? He loves it when our heart is in our giving. And I believe that as God's people, we shouldn't be looking for loopholes, you know, kind of like, how can I give just as little as possible? That's the wrong heart. We shouldn't be looking for loopholes, uh, but we should be giving with a full heart. Something else that strikes me about the story is that, would you agree that this widow demonstrated true sacrifice in her giving to God? Most certainly she did, but the rich people had not learned or begun to discover about sacrificial giving. Listen to the statement, though her gift was by far the smallest in monetary value, it was the greatest in sacrifice. And so perhaps we need to ask ourselves this question, does our giving cost us anything? Is there an element of sacrifice in our giving, or are we merely just allocating a little bit of our surplus? And so I believe that some people need to hear this today. Some people uh, are absolutely just doing things with the right heart in their giving to God, but there may be some people that are challenged by what they're hearing today. Listen to another statement. Giving should not be valued or estimated by its appearance but by the spirit which 
produces it. I like that. In other words, it's not so much about the mount, but it is about the heart that is behind that amount. And God in all of us is looking at our hearts. And so I want to say to you today, do you have a penny-pinching heart? A penny-pinching heart, sorry. Or do you have a, a willing heart in your giving to the Lord? And I believe that in this church, we have willing hearts. Point number three, God is well-pleased when we give in faith. Say this with me. God is well-pleased when we give in faith. It's interesting that this widow was someone in need of receiving help, but yet she was determined to give in the midst of her need. I do think that it's possible that some of us in certain situations, we say, well, when things start to improve, then I'll begin to honor the Lord with my finances. But I believe that that's the wrong way to go about things because this story encourages us to give even when things are dismal, even when things are miserable. And in fact, when we give in those circumstances, we provide God with an opportunity to bring breakthrough in our situations. Sometimes there even needs to be a sowing in drought, a sowing in famine. Can I get an amen? amen. Absolutely. And so even though the monetary value of this widow's giving was tiny, she believed that God could do more with that little amount, those two little coins in his hand than she could possibly do with it in her own hands. And it reminds me of a scripture which says that he supplies seed to the sower and food for bread. That's in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. Sometimes you've got in your hand and you need to decide, well, is this bread that I need to eat? And sometimes it's a case of, no, <laughs> I've just got to give this a seed because God can do far more with that. I really believe he can. And so the Bible doesn't tell us what happened with this widow in later years. But we can rest assured, based on the character of God, that God provided for her. Would you agree? Amen. There's no doubt about that. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want to ask you, do you believe that this widow pleased the Lord in what she did? Do you believe that? Without a doubt. And I believe she pleased the Lord because in her giving, there was faith. May I give with faith. May you give with faith. On to point number four, our last point. Number four, complete trust in God. Say this aloud with me. Complete trust in God. One more time. Complete trust in God. Now, my sense as I was preparing, and I spent a lot of hours, probably 10 or 12 hours, preparing to share this message with you today. My sense is perhaps the greatest lesson that we can learn out of all of this is one of complete trust in God. And so this widow, she was exceptional in how she trusted Jehovah Jireh completely. 
And I believe the Lord loves it when we look to him wholeheartedly. And in this widow, he saw somebody that was just looking to him wholeheartedly. He was blessed by this. And may I remind you, we're talking about a widow, a widow, a widow. But may I remind you, she had no husband to take care of her. And the Bible says that she was poor. But she had trust in the husband of the widow, the husband in heaven. You know what? I think God is awesome. He provides. He provides. Now, you are probably aware that one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. Please say that name with me, Jehovah Jireh. It's a beautiful name, and it means simply the Lord will provide. Now, would you think for a moment that your God is named by that name? The Lord will provide. So why are we in such fear of provision for the future? And I want to pray today that you and I would get fresh revelation of Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He is even called by that name. The Lord will provide. And do you know where that story comes from? Jehovah Jireh and where it comes from? It comes from the story of Abraham. And he is about to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. But moments before he could slay his son, the Lord stops him and the Lord provided. He provided for the sacrifice, a ram instead for the sacrifice. It says in Genesis 22, verse 13 to 14 in the King James Version, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. There's the provision of God. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And listen to this. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. I believe that right there in that moment, Abraham had the most astonishing revelation of God as his provider. And I pray that by the Spirit of God in your hearts today, there comes a new revelation that he is your provider. That you don't have to worry about provision over this December time. You don't have to worry about being able to pay for school fees next year because there is a God who will provide for you. He is the Lord, your provider. That's his name. That's who he is. And all he says is that you seek me first. And seeking first also encourages us to, to give to him first. And then he says, you're not going to worry about anything. All these things will be added unto you. And so I want to tell you, just as Jehovah Jireh provided for Abraham, he will provide for you. But let me tell you that when you are fully convinced of the Lord's character, when you are fully convinced that God is your provider, then you can completely trust in him. And so this widow must have had remarkable trust in God's providence that she was willing to give everything she had. I'm drawing to a close. And I want to say this in future. When you think of the story of the widow and the mites that she gave, I want to encourage you to think of this phrase, complete trust 
in God. That's what she demonstrated. Complete trust in Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. I want to recap the points that we've shared. We've been talking about the story of the widow's might. Number one, God sees what man fails to see. Number two, God's evaluation is different from ours. Number three, God is well pleased when we give in faith. And number four, complete trust in God is what it's all about. Complete trust in Jehovah Jireh. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. Yes. Let us stand and pray together as we close. Dear Father, thank you that your word has spoken to us today. And Lord, we give you our hearts. And we always want it to be the case that when we give to you and give into the temple as such, give into your kingdom, we always want it to be a case that we do so with the right heart, with the right motivation, that we are fully convinced that Jehovah Jireh will provide for us. And I declare over your people that your God is your provider. And now I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we all say, Amen. 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 God bless you everybody. You are free to go.